Thanks for listening to the weekly Overflow Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon by Jesse Cup. For more information, visit overflowindy.com or visit us on Facebook at Overflow Indy. I've been doing a series in this season called Victorious Warfare. And recently I've preached sermons that was called Solutions Focused Warfare. And last Sunday, previous this past Sunday, I did a sermon called Intercession, an Offensive Weapon. And now, today, I'm, I'm going to preach, I'm going to re-preach, all right? I feel like this is powerful. And today is called The Power of Declarations. Now, if you've been around us very long, or you've been around Bethel, or a lot of the different revival cultures, you're going to hear a lot of declarations happening. We like to, we like to make uh, verbal, bold confessions of what we believe that God is and what He's doing. So um, every week, before we take our offering on Sundays, we do declarations um, where we're just declaring things that we believe that God wants to do in our lives and in the world around us. And this past Sunday, I asked this question, um, how, how many of you guys, since we've been doing these declarations, have experienced breakthroughs and things that we've been declaring? We looked around a room, and there was probably, I'd say probably about two-thirds of the people in here have raised their hands that they've seen actual results from doing these declarations. Today, I want to talk about why we do declarations and why they're powerful, how they're powerful. Um, it, it's, it's a pretty amazing thing. Now, on Sunday, when I, when I woke up that morning, it might have been Saturday, I popped up my Facebook for a moment and a reminder from a previous post on that same day, probably a year or two ago, this, this quote from Steve Backlund came up. Steve Backlund is, is one of our mentors, and uh, he, every year, I think it's during Lent, he does a 40-day fast, but it's not a normal fast. It's called a negativity fast a positivity feast. And it's just amazing. Steve's one of the most positive, optimistic people that I've ever met. But this quote from Steve said this, the question is not, how do we remove the darkness? It is, how can I turn on the light in this situation? We cannot fight negativity. Sorry, we cannot just fight negativity, but we must replace our pessimistic beliefs thoughts and attitudes about other people with God's positivity. Now he's actually focusing on how we're believing about other people, which is so important, but this actually goes just in general, just about shifting negative beliefs to positive beliefs, what we can actually believe that God wants to do in situations. And so right now, um, I, want to talk, I want to tell you about a few things about declarations, right? Faith-filled declarations of truth is what we're talking about. We're talking about scripturally, biblically backed truth, okay? Because we believe this is God's inspired word. So when we make faith-filled declarations of God's truth, there's, there's four things I'm going to say that this helps us do. It helps us release things that are stored up for us in heaven. It, it, it actually, we can, we can, Find out in God's Word the things that He's already prepared for us that are, that are waiting to be released into our lives. And in a sense, it actually helps us dislodge things from their stored position to release them into the earth. 
Another thing declarations can do when we make declarations into other people's hearts um, in Ephesians, it says that we need to speak words to one another that can impart grace. And so we, we actually can speak words that, that calls forth the hidden parts of people's identity in Christ. None of us are in the full expression of the finished work of Jesus yet in our lives, but, but it doesn't mean that he hasn't completely finished it and actually stored our, our, the, the, the nature of God in our identities. And we can speak truth to one another and call forth identity that's not actually an active, an active part yet. It also helps us to bring order into the spirit realm and to bring freedom into the spirit realm. Often things are in disarray or they're not how they should be. And we have an enemy at work to try to destroy lives, but when we speak truth, it actually clears the way and it brings order and freedom. And, and it also helps us to shift spiritual atmospheres and crush through barriers that stand in the way of the kingdom of God being manifested in our midst. Hallelujah. That's faith-filled declarations of truth. Last week, Jessica and I and the kids were blessed because uh, my, my in-laws got to come and hang out with us for a whole week, Bill and Vicki Forgey, and they were there with us. We were having a great time and got to go do some fun stuff, but one thing that I experienced with them being there, that it was just a reminder of how I always experienced um, Bill, my father-in-law, that, that he has created a habit in his life that he is a very optimistic person. And so he does everything he can when he sees something that doesn't seem right or feels like a negative thing. He'll always find something positive to speak about it. And as a matter of fact, one thing that I hear him say on a regular basis is this phrase, isn't this great? Isn't this great? And, and we could be just hanging out and nothing actually is going on, but he'll just say it. Isn't this great? And, and what he's doing is he's actually just capturing the moment He's just, he's just observing how wonderful it is that we're all together, and he just wants to take a moment to celebrate how great that is. Isn't this great? And, and I remember that last week one day when we were at the breakfast table, and we were just having normal conversation, and in the middle of whatever we were talking about, Bill said this. He said, today is going to be a great day. And when he said that, it just kind of stood out to me that, that Bill is actually making positive declarations. He, he always wants to try to find a good thing to declare and speak it out. And it, it actually shifts atmospheres. It, it actually creates an anticipation that things are actually going to be good. Helps reset our focus. And it, even if we, maybe, maybe we have something that would come up that would, that would, that would make us um, feel discouraged or something, remembering today's going to be a great day. It actually helps recalibrate and reset to what God has for us, because today is the day of the Lord. Amen? And so even, even often when we're having conversations, and we might be talking about world events or whatever, and, and Bill always wants to bring it back to saying everything's going to be okay, because God's going to do great things no matter what's going on, God's going to always come in and, and do something great that, that outweighs the bad things that's going on. Uh, he's always, always optimistic. 
And, and oftentimes, we'll, in our conversations, we'll be even focusing on hopelessness that people around this world carry because they, they, they see all these horrible things happening and they don't know what to do with it. But, but we always bring our conversation back to the reality, the truth, that God has great promises for His children. And no matter what's going on in the world, God's going to always make it work out for His children who are serving Him and obeying Him and believing in Him. So, isn't that great? <laughs> it's great news. It's great news. And I was just remembering recently a, a testimony uh, several years ago. Bill and Vicky, for a long time, have had a peach orchard down in Tennessee. And, man, the best peaches that you could ever have. Some of their peaches just... There's nothing like that Del Monte stuff you buy in the store, right? I'm talking peaches like this. The first time I tried one, I took a bite in that thing, and it dripped juice. I'm talking sweet nectar from heaven. Dripped all the way down my clothes and, and stained my shoes. I was like, man, that's the juiciest, sweetest, best-tasting peach I've ever had. And but this one year, I remember this, Jessica and I were visiting from California, and the, Bill and Vicky were kind of discouraged because they, the, the, there had been in a drought, and all the farmers were preparing to have bad year of crops that year. And so they were, they were preparing themselves mentally how they're going to manage themselves with a drought and a terrible crop. And, you know, that's what farmers get farmers insurance for. <clears throat> to take care of years like that and so they were kind of already getting ready for that but while they were telling us that Jessica and I remembered testimonies of th of times that we've heard about people who had crops and and they prayed and believed that heaven was going to come and bless their land despite everything else is going on around them Bill and Vicky, we, we wanted to pray for, the, for them and their crop and they said yes let's do it we got on their mule which is a ATV that, that can go up hills and everything. We went all around their, their, all their acreage and just started raising our hands out to the crops and just declaring heaven's blessing on it, praying over it, and just speaking truth over the land. And, and guess what? And, and Bill and Vicki partnered their faith with that. And they said yes and amen. They made declarations. And, and, and they held their faith to that through the whole season. And guess what happened? The Lord blessed their land. And He blessed it so much that that actually turned out to be their best crop they'd ever had yet. Hallelujah. That's pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. And I want to say this. The optimistic declarations can be uplifting to the soul. And that is, is the very lowest form of, of the benefits of positive declarations, is that they're uplifting. But I want to tell you that when we make declarations that are rooted in God's truth and we do it with faith, it's more than just uplifting. It's actually it's powerful. It doesn't just help encourage a heart. It actually shifts everything and does what God's doing. It releases what God's doing. Just a, last week, I came here to the church to work in the office for a while, and we have a Keurig coffee maker back there down the hall from our office, and it was donated to us. I, I've used that thing for probably a few months by now, and when I, when I first got it, I, I realized that when I put it in, I put a cup in there, put my stuff in, push the button, it says eight ounces, that it's going to pour eight ounces of coffee into my cup. 
And so for several weeks, I was drinking eight ounces of coffee. And then one time, I got to paying a little closer attention to that machine. I put my cup in there, and I realized next to the, word, or the, the eight ounce mark on there, I saw an arrow that pointed up and one that pointed down. I thought, I'm going to see what happens when I push up. I pushed up, and it bumped it to 10 ounces. I was like, whoa, I don't have to settle just for eight ounces of coffee anymore. I started having 10-ounce coffee. That was amazing. And last week, I went in there after several weeks of, eating, of drinking 10-ounce cups of coffee, popped that thing in there, and I, I noticed those arrows again, and I felt like, I, never, I don't know why I haven't thought of this. I need to push that up arrow again. I pushed it again. I wasn't sure what it was going to show. Guess what it showed? It went up to 12 ounces. I just, I'd been settling for eight ounces for a while, and then I settled for 10 ounces for a while, and then I found out I could have been having 12 ounces that entire time. So all the time that I was having eight ounces and then 10 ounces, I could have been benefiting from a whole 12 ounces cups of coffee, and I was missing out on something that was available to me the whole time. After I got my cup, I went back to my office and sat down, and I felt like the Lord started speaking to me about that. <clears throat> he started talking to me about how in Christ, we have more available to us than we often know. But, but it, when we know it, we can actually grab a hold of that thing and start functioning at a higher level based on something that we already actually have available to us. And so he, he actually told me, in a sense, that I've been functioning at a 10, but I had a 12 option the entire time. And so he told me that I actually, uh, as functioning at a 10, I actually have the ability with no struggle whatsoever to up my game, up my spirit man to a whole nother level than what I've been functioning in. Now, I, I believe that there are ways that we grow ourselves in the Spirit in Christ, and that I, I believe that I can grow myself in the Spirit to a whole nother level. I can get up to a 20 ounce if I, you know, if I keep pressing in, and by the way, I am, okay? I'm going to get to that 20, per, you know, according to this, this picture, and I'm going to get there, but that's going to take some work, but God was actually telling me, I have a 12 ability right now without much work. I can just receive it and enter into it with, in, a, in a rested place even. And he started just showing me, like in the Spirit, he, he actually has already given me a lot of breakthrough. He's already given me a lot of revelation, a lot of encounter that, that has been through my life. But sometimes I'll be, I'll be focused on one part of it. And, and then, uh, then he'll show me something else, and I'll kind of move on to another thing. And this one over here that I've already been on, I, I, might, I might lose touch with that thing, and I'm on this new thing. And, and I've got several of that. And the Lord has told me that I can actually believe and receive. He's already given me each of those things. I can function from all that stuff without even working hard at it. <clears throat> I've been meditating on this. The 12-ounce the capacity, for example, is far beyond my normal resting spot, but it doesn't have to be. And so I, I actually started declaring that over myself. 
I can function from a 12. I don't have to stay at the 10 anymore. And so I've been meditating and declaring that over myself. It's what the Lord told me. And so I, I just do, I want us to declare this right now. I want you to declare this with me. It's as easy as you believe it is. All right? Whatever God's already given to you, whatever He's already done in your life, you can, you can experience that and you can have it all. It's as easy as you believe it is. Say that again. It's as easy as I believe it is. Okay? Now, at the same time, it's as hard as you believe it is too. If you think it's going to be a struggle and you believe it, you're going to struggle because it's according to your faith. All right? I'm not saying that there's not struggle at times. I'm not saying that, that we don't still have to go through times where we have to, where, where our faith gets tested. I'm just saying in a general sense, I think often we can be functioning at a lower level than what God's already brought us to. And he wants to lift us up so we can live in our fullness. Guess what? He's actually given us the mind of Christ. It's a good word right there. If you read through the Bible, you're going to notice plenty of times when there was great breakthroughs that happened that God showed up in. But usually before them, there's also powerful declarations that were spoken to it before the breakthrough came. One example would be uh, David and Goliath. And somebody just mentioned this to me the other day. That, that David crushed Goliath and then they crushed the Philistines, but that actually happened after David spoke to the giant and spoke to the Philistines and said what he's about to do. And then God came in and he manifested that word right through him. Powerful declaration. I want to tell you a few quick uh, biblical examples of powerful declarations that brought breakthrough afterwards, all right? And the first one I want to start with is the, probably the most important one. It was with God. God is one who declares, and then He brings about what He said, all right? John chapter 1, verses 1-3 through three says, In the beginning was the Word. What was the Word? And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, we all know that the Word is Jesus Christ. But I want to stop and say this. The, the, when it calls Him the Word, it's, just, it's not just a nickname for Jesus. Not just a fun title to give Him. There's reason always when God uses words for things or titles, there's a reason. He, he's called the Word. Why is He called the Word? Let me, let me say that a Word is a spoken thing, all right? It's something that's spoken and it's something that, that means something. And so this says the, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. And Jesus is in union with His Father. And when the Father speaks, Jesus shows up, okay? He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him. Through who? Through the Word. And without him, nothing was made that was made. So, so, in other words, things that weren't made, they weren't spoken by God. So when he speaks, things happen. When he doesn't speak, it doesn't happen, right? John 1.14, same chapter, says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Now we know that Jesus, who, who is Spirit before in heaven, seated on the throne of God, came as a baby and a human, a, a sinless human who ended up dying on a cross. But you've got to think about the way this is worded. It says, and the Word became flesh, or the Word was made manifest among us. 
And we beheld his glory in the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. When God speaks his word, his full intention is for the word to come forth and actually become manifested. And that when his word is manifested, his glory is revealed. And we get to behold his glory through the manifestation of his word. Okay. Now Genesis 1, 1 through 3 is the, is the original connotation of that John 1 stuff we just read. It says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void. And darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said. Whoa. God said. He didn't just blew. He, he spoke it. He, he released words. He said, let there be light. Guess what happened after God spoke? And there was light. Let there be light. Words. Then, it, then there was light. Manifest word. His word came dwelt amongst us. Words create worlds. Words create worlds. Another example I want to touch on is Gideon, who was in the book of Judges. Um, it was during a time when, when Israel's enemies, actually God's enemies, because they were pagans and hated God and everything God was about, the Midianites came and they, they, were, they were oppressing Israel they were, they were treating them horribly so bad that the people of Israel actually went into hiding. They found caves to hide out in while these guys were pillaging their land. And, and it says that Gideon went and he was hiding, and he, he was hiding in the, in the threshing floor, and he didn't want to be found. And he thought of himself that he was amongst the, the weakest tribe, and he was, he was the weakest among his own people. In Judges chapter 6, verse 12, God had sent an angel from his presence to go find Gideon. And it says, The angel of the Lord appeared to him, and he said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. I want you to think about this. That God was, was peeking into the heart of a man who thought he was a coward. A man who was afraid of his enemy. He was intimidated. He was anxious. He thought the worst things were going to happen. He thought the only way he can survive is to hide from the problem. And the Lord believed that Gideon was actually going to be the solution to the problem. And Gideon didn't even know anything about himself as being great. But he sent his angel to speak into his spirit and to call something forth that God knew was in there. He wanted to release a declaration into him. And so this man who's hiding in fear, the angel speaks the word of God and says, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. I want to speak to anybody who, who is looking at the crisis of the world or has problems coming against you and you're afraid and you don't know what to do and you maybe even feel like you don't have what it takes to overcome this thing. I speak into your spirit right now by the Father in heaven. The Lord is with you, you mighty man or mighty woman of valor. Valor. A great, courageous warrior in Christ.
And God inspired faith and hope in a man that was hiding. And, and he, he walked with him patiently to continue calling on his heart until his confession about himself shifted away from I'm the least to maybe I am a favored one of God to I am God's warrior. All right. And he ended up saving their nation from their enemy. He was a great deliverer because he believed the word that God spoke to him. That's amazing. So the declaration preceded the breakthrough. Another example I want to give is the story of Joshua and Caleb. Moses had led Israel out of Egypt, out of bondage. They were on their way to the promised land. It should have been a trip that only took a few weeks in the wilderness. And they were getting pretty close to the promised land. And Moses wanted to send spies into the land. He he picked ten people to send into the land so that they can go spy it out, find out what's there, find out what kind of what kind of blessings are going to be there, what kind of obstacles are going to be there. And they all came back and reported the same thing. There's, there's wonderful bounty there. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. The, the grapes are massive. And, but they all also agreed, but there's enemies in the land. That's all truth. But what was different was the confession. There was eight people who had a different perspective on the situation than the other two. Joshua and Caleb. I want to read this. A few verses. Numbers chapter 13, verses 31 through 33. This is talking about the the ten people, right? But the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. Whoa, that's a a declaration. We're not able to do it. They're more powerful than us. That's a declaration. It's not a positive declaration. It's actually a terrible one. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land. Oh, that's a bummer. Giving the people a bad report of the land which they had spied out. Saying, the land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. Oh, terrible declaration. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. Well, that's, that's true. There we saw giants. That's true. The descendants of Enoch came from the giants. But check this out. Then that, that was true, but then here's the declaration. And we were like grasshoppers in our sight. We were like grasshoppers compared to these giants in our own perspective of ourselves. Whoa. You, that, that's how you look at yourself? That, that you, you look at your enemy and you think you're little, this little tiny thing that they could just stomp on and crush. That's what you're going to say about yourself? And then they went on and said, and so we were in their sight. So the way they perceived themselves was now going to influence the way the others are going to view them as well. We're just a little people and we can do nothing. They're going to crush us. That's their confession. That's horrible. There is no faith in a greater God in those confessions. But then the next chapter, Numbers 14, 6-9. But Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the land, they tore their clothes. They tore their clothes. They were in grief of the confession of their, of their brothers. And they spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, 
The land we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, then guess what? Here's their declaration. He will bring us into this land and give it to us. God will bring us into this land. He will give this land to us. Uh, guess what? Their focus was not on their abilities. It was on a great God that would do these things with them. All right? The other people were just focusing on themselves. Joshua and Caleb, they see a big God who can do big things in their lives. They said it's a land flowing with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Look at that confession. They are our bread. Our enemies are going to become food to us. We're going to eat their lunch. We're going to devour them. That's a powerful declaration. That's the opposite of thinking I'm a grasshopper next to them. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. So Joshua and Caleb, they knew that they had a great God, and, and in Christ, it says, it says greater is He who is in you than he who is in the world, right? They had a big picture of their God. They weren't measuring themselves on their own against giants. They were measuring themselves in God amongst the giants. To Joshua and Caleb, the giants were grasshoppers in their sight. Come on. And then, the, and then it proceeds in Numbers 14.23, God is responding to them to both sides because there's, there's two sets of declarations and beliefs, right? And it says, Then certainly they shall not see the land which I swore to their fathers, nor shall any of those who rejected me see it. So he, he's saying, based on what you're believing and declaring, you're not going to make it into that promised land ever. But my servant Caleb, because he was, has a different spirit in him and has followed me fully, I will bring into the land where he went and his descendants shall inherit it. And we all know that, that it wasn't just Caleb because Joshua was the man that God raised up to replace Moses to lead them all. So it was Joshua and Caleb leading all the people that were going to be their descendants into this land. So, so the, the negative declaration preceded with calamity. But the positive truth declaration was, it preceded great breakthrough. Hallelujah. That is amazing. We, we need to speak into the future that we desire to have that's God's will. It's important that we're partnering with God's Word. What, what are the things that God's saying? We need to find out the things that God says, and we need to match our voice with His. Jesus said, I only say the things that I hear my Father saying. And that's the kind of life we need to be living on this earth. God determines what's going to happen, and then He declares it before it is done. It's done. Romans four seventeen through eighteen is God talking about Abraham, all right? And it's, as it is written, I have made you Abraham, a father of many nations. It was impossible for him to do that. We don't have time for that story right now. In the presence of him, whom he believed, God who gives life to the dead. And He calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Whoa. He calls those things which do not exist as though they did. 
who contrary to hope, in hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations, according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. It was impossible for Abraham to have children. He was a hundred years old when he had his firstborn by a wife who was 90 years old and barren all those years. But God told him, you're going to be a father of many nations. You're going to have a son and many descendants. He spoke it. Abraham came into agreement with it and spoke it over himself. And the declaration preceded the breakthrough. The impossible happened. Come on. Isaiah 46, 10-11 says, Declaring the end from the beginning. God knows the end before the beginning ever start. You know why? Because God is not trapped within the confines of time. He actually has existed in every time period that ever has existed and ever will. To Him, it's already finished. He already knows that He lives from the end, but He lives all the way from the beginning through each part in the eternal present the eternal now, okay? And that's where God lives from. So He declares the end from the beginning, from the ancient times, things that are not yet done. Alright? Things that are not yet done. God already knows it because He's already been there in the future. He declares it and He speaks it forth. And He says, My counsel shall not stand and I will do all my pleasure. Calling a bird of prey from the east, the man who executes my counsel from a far country. Indeed, I have spoken it. I will also bring it to pass. I have purposed it. I will also do it. Everybody say this. This is God. I have spoken it. I will also bring it to pass. I have spoken it. I will also bring it to pass. He speaks and then he sees it through. Okay? We need to be people who can peek into heaven and see what God has already completed, what He's already stored up, what He's already finished. Because Jesus, when He died on the cross, He actually said it is finished. And God has already completed everything. Heaven is a completed product. On earth is where things are still being unfolded, okay? And we need to be able to see what has God already done and what's finished there. And then we need to call that stuff forth. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, it, it says, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to read a few verses of this real quick. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 9 through a few verses. But as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. God has prepared it. That's past tense. It's already done. He's already prepared it. But we don't understand it. We don't see it. We don't hear it. We don't understand it. Doesn't mean it's not already done. Just because you're not experiencing it doesn't mean that to God it's not already finished. And not only is it already finished, it's prepared for you. It's prepared for you who love Him. But God has revealed these things. To us, through His Spirit. So the Lord wants to unveil our eyes to be able to show us things that already exist, but the blinders on our eyes cause us to not see it. That's why no eye can see, right? But when the Lord reveals, He unveils, He shows, He pulls back the curtains to what's on the other side of that curtain that He's already, brought, he's already prepared in store for you. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the Spirit of the man which is in him, even so no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received, not the Spirit of the world, 
That spirit knows nothing about that, okay? But the spirit who is from God, but we, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. It's kind of like that, that, that 10 ounce option of coffee that was always available to me, even back when I thought I was just getting eight. I could have got four more that whole time. It was always available, and, but I didn't know it. But when it became revealed by me pushing that button, I'm like, whoa, I had that the whole time, and I didn't even know it. And so I bumped up from an eight to a 10, but then, praise God, I can now have eight ounces of coffee. Now, that's, I know that's just silly, but you think about that in terms of the kingdom. Like God has already prepared all this stuff for us, but until we know it, we won't know that we can actually grab a hold of it. The Lord has given us the Spirit, and He wants to reveal, unveil, pull back the curtains to what's already provided for us. When we know it, we can grab a hold of it, okay? Verse 13, these things we also speak. Oh, oh, we speak these things? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a big part of this. Not, not just knowing the things that have been freely given to us, but we need to speak these things, okay? These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God for their foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are not spiritually, sorry, because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. Verse 16, for who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him, but we have been given the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. Say that with me. I have the mind of Christ. I have the mind of Christ. That means I actually, by the Spirit of God, have the ability to think the thoughts that Jesus is thinking. I can actually enter my belief systems, my mindsets into the mind of Christ. And from there, by the Spirit of God who reveals things that's already been given to us, He can actually cause my eyes to perceive. He can actually cause my ears to hear. He can cause my heart to, to understand and to receive all the things that God has prepared for us because He us who love Him, okay? God reveals these things to us by the Spirit, verse 12 again, that we might know the things that, that have been freely given to us by God. So God wants to reveal to us things that we're not experiencing yet, but He actually has them in store so that we can experience these things. And these things we also speak. We need to speak these things. We need to perceive what God has already prepared for us and that He intends to release on the earth. And we need to declare these things because declarations precede breakthroughs. All right? And, and Jesus taught us by the Lord's Prayer that we need to pray, Your will be done, Your, your, your kingdom come and Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So what He's already completed in heaven where all things are already prepared and in store for us and completed and finished, that He wants us to pray that His kingdom will actually come into our midst. He doesn't want it to stay there. He wants to bring it into our midst and we get to pray that His will will be done. All the things that He's prepared in heaven, that's His will in heaven. But He wants His will to be established on this earth as it is in heaven. So He wants it to be just like in our lives, just like here, just like it is in heaven. 
So the motto that we've got to continue to believe is on earth as it is in heaven. All right? We need to be people who make prophetic declarations. And I'm not just talking about having the ability to go around and prophesy. I'm talking about believing that when we partner our declaration, our, our, our outward professed speech that we're doing, we're partnering with God's words and that we believe that what we're saying is actually His words coming forth from us. And then it's releasing prophetic power through that declaration. You don't have to be a prophet to do this, all right? That's good news. The, in book of Revelation, it says the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And if we can come into an understanding of what Jesus is testifying about, what is he saying? That we can partner with those things. We can speak these things out. We're actually releasing the spirit of prophecy. We're releasing the words of Christ into the atmosphere. And the Word will come and be manifested in our midst. Hallelujah. So we need, to de- we need to testify. We need to declare the things that Jesus is saying. And we need to do it with faith and with authority. With authority. It's important that we understand that we actually have been given authority in Jesus Christ. And not just do it passively. Not just saying things like, Lord, if it's Your will, You can come and help this situation No, it's His will. Trust me, whatever that situation is you're praying about, I'll bet it wouldn't look like that if you were in heaven. So if you wouldn't be struggling with that thing in heaven, why would God will for you to be struggling with it right here? He actually has given you the power of the breakthrough, of the freedom, of the wholeness. From heaven, you get to be part of the solution to the problem. Okay? We, he doesn't want us just to be problem identifiers. He wants us to be people of solutions, which is heaven's provision for the problem. So we, we, need to, we need to practice this. We need to grow in this. And we need to take the time to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to us, one, what is the problem? We need the Holy Spirit to give us discernment to identify and, and, and to Um, diagnose what the problem is, but we don't want to stay there. That's where a lot of people, they get that and they call that prophecy and they just kind of hang out by declaring what the problem is. No, that might be a starting point, but it better not be the stopping point because we're not supposed to be uh, problems focused. We're supposed to be solutions focused. But we need to know what the problem is. A lot of times people think that the initial thing you see is actually the problem when often what you identify as the problem really is just a fruit from a root problem. So the Lord wants to give us discernment of what's going on underneath that thing. A lot of times you might see somebody who has a sin struggle and the Lord is not even focused so much on the sin. He wants, to, he wants to show us that there's actually brokenness underneath that sin and He came to heal the brokenhearted. He doesn't just want to get that person to stop sinning. He actually wants to go in there and heal the wound in the heart. Okay, so the problem is not just the surface thing you see. He wants to show us what the actual problem is, the root problem. And, and it's not just so we can say, oh, you got this problem. That, that's not what God's trying to do. He wants to see the problem for this one reason. So that we can in, then ask Him, Lord, I see the problem. Now I need you to show me what your promise is for that problem. 
What is your provision for the thing that's lacking there? What is your breakthrough answer for this obstacle or this resistance or this bondage that's happening? What, what is your solution to the problem, Lord? Guess what? Jesus died on the cross to fix every problem of humanity through the cross, burial, and resurrection, all right? Then we need to, once we figure out what the problem is and we get an idea of what the solution is, we need to ask him, Lord, give me some scripture that speaks to this because that's where the authority is. Give me some scripture that backs up this solution, right? And then once you get that, you start, you start declaring truth from the scripture. And you can either, you can say it specifically and directly verbatim from the scripture or you can extract the truth and just make it in your own words declare that out because truth is the spirit of it not just the sentence structure of it and you gotta you gotta put your faith on the truth and the spirit of it and release that because that's where power flows all right i want to tell you guys a few reasons why making declarations is powerful one one reason why making declarations is powerful one, it, it builds faith. It builds faith. Romans 10.17 says, So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. It doesn't just mean that you, that you listen to and, and you heard the sounds of a Scripture coming through your head. All right? That's the, that's the natural starting point, but it's talking about hearing from your heart, from your spirit, letting the truth of the Word come in and go into your heart. When, when you hear truth, you hear the Word of God, it builds faith. It builds faith. And so we can think scriptures and we can think declarations, but it's when you speak it, because speaking has power. It has power. When we speak, it, it actually releases authority. And authority, if you think about it, you break that down and it has the word author in it. And the word author has to do with the person who, who initiates words. You, so you've got to speak words. And so there's power in the declaration of truth. And when you hear it yourself, you make declarations. You're actually hearing your own words as building faith up. So declarations is not just a powerful thing to speak out. It's a powerful thing to speak over yourself. But it also builds faith and the other people who are listening to your declaration as well. Number two, why making declarations is powerful. It releases the power of life and death. Proverbs 18.21 says, says death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. What we speak literally in the spirit realm, it actually has power. And we can speak positive kingdom truths and it releases abundant life. It releases God's life through us into situations. Unfortunately, if we speak negative things, it can actually release death into situations as well. And, and you know what? Whichever way you're speaking is going to attract uh, the powers of the different kingdoms to partner with your words. So, but we need to be people who speak life. We need to be people who speak solutions. People who speak kingdom answers, kingdom provision. It releases power into the atmosphere. In Ezekiel 37, God gave Ezekiel a vision and he saw a valley of a bunch of dry bones out there. 
and, and God told him, he said, look at the bones. He said, prophesy to these bones and say to them, are you telling me, Lord, that you don't want me just to look at them and think about this? No, prophesy and say, speak out. And he says, oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus the Lord God to these bones, thus says the Lord of God to these bones. Now notice, God was speaking to the bones, but he actually needed his human being to be the one who speaks the word because he needed a flesh body to release power into this natural environment, okay? So he actually needed his man to speak these words for them to have power. Partnering spirit and flesh brings power in this natural world. He says, surely, this is what he speaks to the bones. Surely I will cause breath to enter into you, and you shall live. I will put sinews on you and bring flesh upon you, cover you with skin and put breath in you, and you shall live. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. Wow. God actually had Ezekiel to speak words of life. The power of life is in the tongue. That's amazing. And the story goes on that he saw all the, he started hearing cluttering and clattering and, and the bones started moving and forming together and piecing together and flesh started coming on him until eventually it was a whole army, soldiers that got raised from the dead. It's powerful. It wouldn't have happened if Ezekiel, the man, didn't speak a word out into the atmosphere over these things. I remember a testimony of Benny Johnson, that's Bill Johnson's wife from Bethel Church, and she was talking about how when her son Eric was a kid, if I remember the details correctly, she saw, or, or sorry, he, he had um, warts on his feet that they couldn't get rid of, it was like really bad. They couldn't get rid of the warts no matter what they tried, and so she decided that she was going to do something in faith using this principle. And so she, every night before she put him to bed, she'd be holding his feet and she would speak to his feet and she would declare the word grace. She would say that word out loud, grace. That's all she said. She didn't go into some long prayer or try to minister encounters to him. She just spoke to it and said grace. And because and, grace is actually, it's favor from God, but it's also supernatural empowerment. So she's declaring grace over this thing. And guess what? Eventually, it wasn't real long, I think, that wart, those warts disappeared. She didn't do it from Dr. Scholl's wart pads. She did it from declaring grace over that thing, and it disappeared. It's amazing. Third reason why making declarations is powerful. It commands authority. I was just spoke into that a moment ago, but I want to give you guys some thoughts to go with that. Think about this. Truth, talking about scriptural truth, right? Truth plus faith. So it's you're partnering your belief on it. Truth plus faith equals authority. All right? Truth plus faith equals authority when you actually act on it and declare it. Truth without faith would just be empty words. Empty words. Here's another thought. Faith without truth, well, that equals strange doctrines and confusion and disappointment, deception. Okay? But I want you to think about this in the, in the thought of us commanding authority by speaking declarations, okay? 
First Peter 4.11 says, If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. Let him speak as the oracles of God. So when you speak God's truth, do it believing that coming forth from your mouth is God actually releasing the oracles of himself through you into that situation you're speaking to. Believe that it's like it's God actually speaking through you as a vessel. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says, Now then we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. As though God were pleading through us. Whoa. That's crazy. An ambassador is a representation. It's a representative of a king or a president who actually carries their authority in the environment that they're sent to at the at an embassy okay so that they're actually representing their nation and they have authority of the nation in that place and so god has actually put us on this earth as representatives of his kingdom and we carry the authority of jesus christ we're ambassadors and he's actually saying that that we that, that we're, we're ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. So when we declare or we're pleading or we're speaking His Word, we need to do it knowing that we're actually His representatives and that, that we're, we're a flesh representative of God who's Spirit and we're actually carrying His authority. So when we speak, we need to believe that we're actually releasing the same authority that Jesus carried when He was walking this earth as a human being. Powerful stuff. <clears throat> when we partner faith with God's will and truth and declare it out loud, heaven backs up our words. The more you believe that, the more you're going to experience some power. But Jesus, he, he knew this. Jesus was known to speak to, to storms and winds and command them to stop. Jesus spoke to a, a fig tree and, and cursed it and, and just in a couple of days they came back and it withered up and died because he spoke. Wow, that's power. That's authority. Jesus spoke to demons. And by the way, he didn't have long conversations with them. He gave them quick, simple commands and they obeyed him. He spoke and authority came forth. Okay? And we need to know that God has given us power to speak truth and the kingdom will come forth through us. Another reason why making declarations is powerful is it, it disempowers the enemy. John 8.32 says you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. When we declare truth, we're actually releasing freedom to every heart that will receive it. Freedom comes. When hearts receive truth, freedom comes. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing of the spoken word of God. Ephesians 6.17 talks about us having the helmet of salvation. It says the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. So when we speak the word of God, we're actually releasing the sword of the Spirit. It's powerful. Revelations 12.11 talks about, it is referring to the accuser of the brethren, which is Satan, and how he comes against God's people and tries to accuse them and shame them and condemn them. But it says they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to death. Sixth reason why they're powerful, it grounds you and it recalibrates you when your faith gets tested. 
Okay, when your faith gets tested, declare the Word of God. Because the Word of God is going to help recalibrate your focus. It's going to help you remember that God is still is faithful. It's going to help you remember that no matter what you're experiencing, God has a plan. All right, and, it, and I've had to make declarations over myself often when I was uh, being tested, even with this church plant. There were times when Jessica and I wondered, are we going to survive this? Even during the COVID experience, and, and we're not able to meet in person, there are just all kinds of different um, spiritual attacks that have come against us. There are times when we were tempted to believe that we might actually be on our way to a shipwreck, but the Lord gave me this verse, Hebrews 10.23, and He said, I want you to believe this, and I want you to anchor to it. It says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And I had to keep rehearsing that over and over and over. Let us hold fast the confession or the declaration of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is is faithful. And then I had to go into all the prophetic promises God's given to us about this church plant and about this calling God's put on our life and all the things that God has in store for us up ahead that we haven't actually seen happen yet. And he says, God is faithful. And so we had to, we had to choose to confess that God is who he said he's going to be and he's going to do what he said he's going to do. And it doesn't matter what's going on around us that comes against us, that I'm going to not let myself waver in my hope. I'm going to continue to declare the truth. I'm going to continue to declare all the things that God's promised in his word and in encounters with him when he said, we're going to see this thing through and we're going to actually see revival come. I had to keep rehearsing that stuff over and over. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. The testings of the, that come against you try to make you think that you're not going to make it and that God's not going to show up mighty. It's trying to make you waver in your faith. That's called the testing of your faith. It's called, it's called fighting the good fight of your faith. And we need to anchor ourselves to the words of God and trust Him and declare it. God's faithful. I'm not going to waver no matter what comes against me. So it grounds you and recalibrates you when your faith gets tested. The seventh thing I'm going to say about, uh, about why making declarations is powerful. When you speak the language of the kingdom, it attracts God and His angels to you and to what you're speaking. I want to say that again. When you speak the language of the kingdom, it attracts God and His angels to you and to what you speak. Psalm 103, verses 20 through 21 says, Bless the Lord, you his angels, who excel in strength, who do his word, heeding the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all you hosts, you ministers of his, and who do his pleasure. When the angels hear the word of God, they're going to heed the word, they're going to perform his word. Hallelujah. Unfortunately, that also applies to when people speak words of death. There's the other angels, the demons. They get drawn to those kind of words. And we don't want to give them space to land, do we? So, but when we speak God's Word and we speak His truth, it actually, it actually it magnetizes us to the angelic and to the presence of God and His glory and His answers. Okay, Hallelujah. 
When we do declarations, we need to make sure that we're focusing on the positive and not on the negative. That we need to focus on the solutions and not the problems. There's a lot of things going on in the world, a lot of things that are, that are burdening people's hearts. There's a lot of things that look hopeless, and we've got to make a determination. Are we going to come under those things? Are we going to let them uh, sap every bit of hope out of our hearts? Are we going to let those things affect us? Or, uh, that, which would actually would be that we're being thermometers, being affected by the atmosphere around us. Or are we going to be thermostats, which is a person who's able to be, be connected to a different ecosystem and shift the atmosphere around us. I, I would rather believe that we're on the offense, not on the defense. I would rather believe that we have something superior than what the, the powers of this earth are under. That we can actually come and tread on serpents and scorpions. That we can partner with the words of truth and release them as though we're speaking the very oracles of God. Speaking as if God Himself were pleading through us. That, that we are His mouthpiece. That we can carry His authority by partnering and speaking His truth and believing that God will back His Word up by all of His kingdom. That when we speak the language of heaven, that the angelic comes and partners with it to build a city that was not built by the hands of man. Come on. That's good stuff right there, guys. And we got to make a determination. Who are we going to be? How are we going to live? What are we going to speak? Are we going to believe that, uh, are we going to believe that we can just say these things and it's just casual, um, happy declarations that gives you a momentary uplift? Or are we going to believe that when we speak these things, that we're actually carrying heaven and that Jesus is, is the Word becoming manifest amongst us? Sometimes we've got to declare over ourselves. Sometimes we need to speak declarations into the hearts of other people. Sometimes we need to intercede for situations and declare over them God's promises that great things are coming forth and this thing can't stand anymore. But I just bless you in the name of Jesus. Lord, I ask you to open our eyes to truth. I pray that, you'll, uh, that you will help us to enter into the power of declaring your truth and to live from this and grow into mighty places and that you will shake anything that resists your kingdom coming in our lives. And I pray that you'll help us to enter into higher places by doing declarations of truth with great faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless you guys.